Hey, I'm Jordan. Hi, I'm Lauren. And this is the His Film Her Movie Podcast. we thought it was going to be but we're back yes for the second one exactly and should we have a bit of housekeeping before yes so we have set up our instagram yes which is hfhm underscore podcast yeah. so go on there and give us a follow yeah you will be able to see all my lovely pictures from comic-con yes i went there with work Handed out some stickers, met some lovely people, got to see loads of people in cosplay, which was amazing. Um, I wanted to live there. Yeah. <laughs> and we also have a Twitter, which is, well, I think there's only one post on there at the moment, which is HFHM Podcast. There is no underscore. Yeah. So at HFHM Podcast. You can also email us if you want. Yes. You have a Gmail, which is HFHM Podcast at gmail.com. It is. So if you've got any... Consistency. Very, yeah, try to be consistent. Trying to be. Luckily, nobody has stolen the name. No. So that makes it a little bit easier. Um, So if anybody wants to message us or email us or follow us, go ahead. It would be great. Jordan's in charge of the Twitter. And I suck. And I'm in charge of Instagram because I like pictures. (laughs) But I'm not very good at the writing bit. Um, and then if we get any emails, it will, well, they come through to my phone, so it'll yeah. probably be me who <laughs> yeah. answer any emails, any queries. So get in touch. So yeah, so here at the His Film, Her Movie podcast, what exactly is it that we do? Our aim is to have loads of different topics yeah. coming from um, best child performance. Yeah. Um, Favourite Disney film, mm. the one where the dog died, Yeah, worst film to watch with your parents. Yeah, it's, it's taking those specific topics and then... Putting pick... our films into yeah. it, so then that... we can discuss it. Yeah, so I pick a film, Lauren picks a film, we both watch it, and then we talk about it. Yes, and hopefully that means that our listeners can then maybe find new and interesting films, um, maybe rediscover old favourites that you've forgotten about from years ago i know that sometimes i go through films and it's like oh i completely forgot that i love this film yeah. and it's nice to rediscover maybe even get people to listen to this and then you can be like let's see what on earth they're talking about absolutely it sounds fun so should we get started yes let's go for it so what are we covering this week this week we are doing the ultimate 80s teen films um, an 80s in itself could be a genre and teen in itself could be a genre so it's kind of a strange one the 80s were a, a lovely decade well yeah because we were born in it it was obviously <laughs> the best decade yes now showing our age the late 80s well mid 80s really I'm, I'm, go- I'm going to say I'm late you're mid to late I'm late you're mid to late <laughs> late <laughs> late 80s <laughs> be fine <laughs> so what are we covering this week um i have you have the heathers i have heathers um 1988 film 
Yes. And you are covering... I'm covering Ferris Bueller, which is the 1986 film. Full title. Oh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. There we are. So we might as well get started. Um, so we'll have a clip and then we'll come back. That thing this afternoon. I'm so angry. It was chaos. Fucking chaos. What are you talking about, huh? I mean, today was great. Chaos is great. Chaos is what killed the dinosaurs, darling. Face it, our way is the way. I mean, we scare people into not being assholes. Our way is not our way. Oh, yeah. Tell that to the judge, all right? Tell it to Kurt Kelly. Oh, God, Veronica. I'm telling it to you. So, yeah, that was a clip from Heathers. Yes. The 1988 Michael Lehman film mm-hmm. that was written by Daniel Waters. So, what is Heathers about? There's a young girl called Veronica who mm-hmm. has three friends, all called Heather. Nice um, and confusing. Nice and confusing. Um, and they're the popular trio in school, but also not only popular, they like to make everybody else's life a misery. Yes. The bitches, I think. Is that a nice term for them? They're kind of bitchy, yeah. yeah. You can say they're bitchy, yeah, they are. So, and Veronica, even though she is friends with them, doesn't like them that no. much. So, she sort of, I don't know, but quite connivingly with the help of JD. Yeah. Um, who becomes her love interest, they start to kill them off. I mean, there's no nice way of putting it, really. No, there's not. Um, but these killings get sort of masked as suicides. Mm-hmm. And that sort of starts taking a bit of a a bit of a trend in the school. So, should I start with what I thought, Heather's? Yes, I think that would be a good idea. You, you go over your bit. Cool. So, Heather's for me, I mean, I do really, really like this movie. I do, um, yeah is really fun it's really dark yes um it has quite a lot of a well quite a lot going on under the covers mm-hmm. um quite a lot of different sort of themes going on the fact that it, it is just sort of this sort of big metaphor for society and how even though it's put under this sort of sheen of high school the politics of or the personal politics that go on go on throughout your life it's your work it's your personal life it's school it's whatever these are sort of universal um, ideas. Mm-hmm. But before we even get into that, there's only one thing I really want to talk about, and that's shoulder pads. Huge. Huge, huge, huge. They look like linebackers. Really they look do. like they should be playing rugby. It's kind of... I, I, I would love to find the person who started the trend. Also, they have really frizzy hair. I think it's all the perming. It probably is. I mean, the 80s were a frizzy decade, anyhow. Very frizzy. I just look at them and just go, you need a bit of John Freed, I love. Get I the don't curls, know what that is. Get the curls under control, nice and sleek. Hair looks a bit dry. There we are. But <laughs> I think it was a style. They're all very... There's a lot of hair going on. A lot of hair. A lot of shoulder pads. Yeah. but A lot of primary colours. There is a lot of primary colours. And that's kind of why I like this film. I mean, Francis Kelly, who was a cinematographer on the film... Um, what he brought to it was that each of the characters had a colour. Mm-hmm. Like Veronica's was blue. I forget which Heather's, which Heather, but one's red and one's like green. Heather, like Heather one's red, Heather three was green, and Heather two was... Was she yellow? She might have been a bit yellow, yeah. Yeah, yeah she was yellow because then she had the... Um, 
She was the cheerleader one. She was. She had the cheerleader outfit that was yellow. So, but I, I love how those like Veronica. Not only is she dressed normally in blue, and her bedroom is blue, but mm-hmm. he lights her with a blue light. So therefore, that those themes and those sort of like motifs go throughout the entire film. Yeah. The other things, I mean, Heather's. I think is mostly known because of its dialogue. It's. It's razor sharp wit about it, um, and it can't be nasty, but it's it's always funny with its nastiness. But also like this extreme version of feminist power that they have, because mm-hmm. it's always it's interesting to see in that sort of a dynamic where high school and life generally is still sort of ran by men, but high school and it's sort of like the power of women. It's like those four women run that school. Yeah, they do. And you get that quite a lot across a lot of um, teen movies. Yeah. Um, I think it's a power of sex, isn't it, really? It's yeah, sort of like they, 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 they control the power, it. Yeah. Which is, which is quite good to be able to see in that. But then it's just when they grow up, then they lose that power, apparently. Yes. Um, One to most films. Yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, so pe- the people who have... It's always like a funny thing, isn't it? Those people who look high school hate life. Yes. Those people who hate high school love life. Mm-hmm. Because um, it's never as good. And I, I find it kind of interesting as well, especially around J.D.'s character, because in that opening scene, it it ends with J.D. pulling a gun on these two bullies. Yeah. And, well, it cuts and it looks like he's shooting them. But easy enough to say that this film wouldn't get made today. Oh, definitely. And especially not by a studio. No. I mean, the the climate of gun control and things like that. Suicide bombers. Suicide everything. bombers, especially high schools and yeah. Columbine and things like that. But what's even more interesting is that when he pulls that gun, we're on his side. Yeah, we are. And <laughs> we're like, they're getting their comeuppance and obviously mm-hmm. shitting themselves because that's the joke. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a strange film. Um it's taken apart popularism. Mm-hmm. It's like what it is to be popular. Is it to be known or is it to be liked or is it to be feared? Um, and I think Veronica gets that sort of balance quite well, but does it in the... Well, it's easy to say, does it in the wrong way. <laughs> but uh, what do you think about Heathers? I really liked Heathers. Um, I found JD was a character that, yes, you on, I'm on side with him. But then I felt like I maybe wasn't on on his side for as long as maybe you were. No, I found that the way he was very controlling, and I kind of didn't like him after a very short period of time. No, absolutely. I think I mean it's, I think it's just that first scene because you quickly find out that he, he is a sociopath. Oh yeah, he definitely is. Yeah. He really is. Um, I really liked the fact that although Heather Wan is the one in charge, usually in what you see uh, like American teen films is she's the one with the power, therefore she's the one with the money. Mm. But in this one it was Veronica who had the money. They yeah. were hanging out at her house. She wasn't the one in charge, but she was the one that they were kind of using her socio socioeconomic standing to be yeah. able to make themselves look better they had a nice place to hang out they would be able to lots of space they go over there everybody knows that's where they hang out it makes yeah. them look better rather than just going around like heather wants what was it like a little bungalow or yeah, something yeah, yeah. not slagging bungalows just wasn't as fancy as 
the nice manor house. That's going to be the headline. <laughs> Not slagging off bungalows. <laughs> Why do you have bungalows? What? Why do you have bungalows? Because I like to go upstairs to bed. <laughs> I like to go up the stairs to sleep. Um, like he was saying, yeah, he wouldn't get made today. It was very stereotypical about gay men. Like the whole, oh, they're gay because they have bottled water. And yeah. It, 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 was it, that ever a thing? Like, I don't, I don't, you know, to me, it was like, somebody's drinking bottled water. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So now, nowadays it would be like, is it in a reusable bottle or are they using plastic? I mean, yeah, the way it treats that sort of side of it. It was it, really bad. It, that's where it's dated. Um, it's even when, it's not even, oh, the argument could be that it's it's the villains of the piece and the stupid people that are using those languages. But it's not. But it's not. It's, it's Everybody. When Veronica and JD kill the two guys, it's killing them's not too bad enough. They have to embarrass them in death but the way they embarrass them is by hinting that they were they were gay Together. and that is it, it's it really doesn't sit well um in today's no. audience really and what's quite sad i found right was um the dad of one of those boys mm. at the funeral going i wouldn't have minded if you were gay i would have still been proud of you and it's just been like well this guy believes that his son died mm. because he didn't think that he was going to be accepted. I know it's just a film. I know that. But it's just then quite sad to think this guy would then, then carry on with his life thinking, my son didn't trust me or believe in me or anything like that. And I feel like that that's why it wouldn't get made today. It's People want to have, be open and have those conversations mm. more. You don't want the idea of kids killing themselves just for over who they love. No, that's true. And I think that even the last line in that sequence is played for a laugh. Where yeah. it's like, I, I don't care, I love my dead gear son. I mean, yeah. even though that's, but that is actually made for, that's comedic value, which it kind of isn't, but you can, it, I think it's the, the way it's said, is, which is for the laugh. But one thing I also believe is like, Throughout the film, Veronica's talking about how she had this great IQ and she was like near enough for a borderline genius. Yeah. And she's really, really stupid throughout the entire film. She does. She doesn't get that if you shoot a bullet out of a gun, it's going to kill somebody. Okay? When JD goes, oh, well, it's just going to bruise them, break the skin, knock them out for a bit and make them bleed. Yet that's still not a good thing. No. The fact that somebody's knocked out and then bleeding out ain't a good thing yeah but yeah she's like oh yeah that's a great idea let's go ahead with it fab brilliant mm. like, no yeah it's it's one of the I think one of the downfalls of the film and it's, it's one of those I still I do really still enjoy this film yes when I I think when I first watched it I must have been in my teens I actually thought it was this really dark and really sort of edgy comedy mm-hmm. um, and it sort of hasn't aged that well but it's still, it's still enjoyable but it's one of those in the film, it has a quote. I can't remember which character says it, but it's that the extreme always seems to make an impression. Yeah. And I think that is this film in a nutshell. It was made to shock. Yes, and definitely. I think at the time it probably did. Mm-hmm. But um, I think maybe not so much in today's world. 
although it's still enjoyable and it has it's spawned a tv show it's spawned a musical yeah and there's still an audience out there for it and not to say that any of these things can't be made fun of oh, no. everything is everything is good fodder for yeah. fun um it's just how they've made fun of it has aged quite badly hmm. um nowadays you could still probably do the same or similar jokes but hmm. do them in not as a stereotypical kind of way, not as in a harmful way, because like the type of language that they use in it is quite harmful and would now be classed as being like a hate speech. I think. Yeah. I think especially in America, um, like they use like the word like the word fag quite a lot, yeah. which in America, like you know over here we've got like the the double meaning yes. for the word, but in America they don't. They only see it as being a slur. Yeah. So, I believe that. It could be remade, and you could have a very similar plot. The musical would be absolutely brilliant, the theatre and everything, mm. but they would just have to look at it and probably do it in a different way. Yeah, you but I still enjoyed it. it. Yeah. I still thought it was a really good film. It was much better than the film you picked last time. <laughs> a little bit worried about how you seem to have a thing for creepy men. Christian Slater. Creepy. Yeah, that's what I mean. To be honest, it's one of the best, two best things of the film is that Winona Ryder is so good in this movie. Yeah, she's and really good. And so is Christian good. Slater. And I mean, Christian Slater is doing his best Jack Nicholson impression for most of the film, but it works. It does work. Especially, I mean, there's a, this dream sequence that they have and he is borderline maniacal. And it's <laughs> really entertaining to watch. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but, but Winona Ryder, this is, she was at the height of her power, really. Before she got done for shoplifting. Yeah, before that. But that was <laughs> long before that, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but this is just just before she started to do to do a, um, Tim Burton movies. Oh, I love her in Tim Burton movies. She's got a, she's got a good look for Tim Burton movies. She does. She does. So. So is there anything else on Heather's? Um, the only other thing that really shocked me about Heather's was. Things like, how on earth did they get the suicide note? Passed around. Yeah, they were literally just passing around the actual suicide note. The complete ineptitude of the police force in that whole town. There was nobody, like, you know, checked, I don't know, on the glass that Mm. she drank the Drano out of, that there was maybe more than one set of fingerprints on it. Like, they were really, really inept. And I think that's part of the... I mean the metaphor that's going on there because even with the parent, like the parent characters, mm-hmm. like yes they are fun, but part of the idea is that they are so oblivious to everything that's happening, and I think that's sort of like how parents don't really understand their children, yeah. or understand the pressures or what they're going through at school because it's it's out of sight, out of mind. Um, but I do like those two um, characters in that movie as well. Veronica's parents. Yeah. AKA who we're going to be when we get older. Pretty much. Drinking wine and eating canapes. Yes. All day. Yeah. Pate. Pate. <laughs> that was just it. Mum. Pate. That was all she pretty much said throughout the whole but thing. It was, and I don't know how a person <laughs> can actually survive on nothing but pate. It must they're be doing rich. terrible for the digestive they're, they're, system. They're, they, were, they were rich. They don't need anything else. They have their money. That is true. They have alcohol and pate. <laughs> the life we aim to lead. <laughs> right, should we get on to Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Let's do it. Let's have a clip and then we can do your choice. Yay! 
This is my ninth sick day this semester. It's getting pretty tough coming up with new illnesses. If I go for ten, I'm probably gonna have to barf up a lung. So I better make this one count. The key to faking out the parents is the clammy hands. It's a good non-specific symptom. I'm a big believer in it. A lot of people will tell you that a good phony fever is a dead lock, but uh, you get a nervous mother, you could wind up in a doctor's office. That's worse than school. Ferris Bueller is a John Hughes film. It, it was released in 1986. It's only got a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. I thought it would be higher. True, honest. I would probably say I thought it would be higher. So I was quite surprised at that. Um, but the story behind this film is the character Ferris Bueller mm-hmm. has decided to pull a sickie and skive off school for the day for the simple fact that it's a nice day. Yeah. He then gets his other friend, Cameron, to um, skive off with him. Yeah. And then they go pick up his girlfriend and go for a nice jaunt around Chicago. Jaunt. A nice jaunt around Chicago. Um, and, and for our American listeners, oh yeah. Skive is bunk off school. <laughs> yeah, sorry. They bunk off school, but <laughs> yeah, they skive off school. There you go, see, we're also teaching truants. people. They are truanting the Dirty truants. <laughs> They're pulling a sickie. Um, so yeah, they go around Chicago and they have lots, they see all Chicago, they have adventures around there and then hilarity ensues. Pretty much. That's pretty much it. The day of frivolity. Day of frivolity. <laughs> what I really like about the film is, um, like, I love Ferris Bueller's are in this. Matthew Broderick. Yeah. He is, to be honest, he's really cute in it. So there you yeah. go. You've got a good looking leading man. He's funny. He's charming. Um, he breaks the fourth wall by speaking to the viewers, which is nice. And I think this was possibly the first film that I personally had seen mm. this in. So it was quite a novelty for me. Yeah. Um, it's... The cast is just really good. They're really funny. They all seem to work very well together. Um, the situations that they get in, although some are completely unbelievable, yeah. such as the parade, yeah. things like going into the city and wandering around and they go to a really big art museum yeah. And the tallest building in Chicago. That's the kind of thing that you could see yourself doing. It's like, we don't really have any money. We're going to go see the things that are free. Have a nice day out. You could see yourself sort of doing that as as a person yeah. of that age. So in some ways, I believe it is kind of relatable. Especially as it's such a nice day. And they're getting ready to finish high school and go mm. on to college. Nobody wants to be anywhere when it's sunny except for out of work or out of school it's true and i think even those more fantasy elements they're just they're instantly watchable oh yeah you know definitely I mean? they're really entertaining they are and i don't feel with this film that there's any sort of scene in it where you can watch it again and again and it's not another scene where you're like oh this is the bit where it's a bit boring i'm just gonna go up and go to the toilet now i'll make myself a cup of tea oh. the whole film is of a high standard all the way through there isn't there isn't any filler I don't feel 
So there's no fat on the script. No, there really isn't. It's the same as Heather's. I mean, they're both coming in, I think, what, just under 100 minutes. Yeah. So, yeah, you do, but you don't really get that length of a film anymore. No, it's it's a nice, I always think that's a nice length of a film. Yeah. It's like, you can go, you can escape for an hour and a bit, and then get back to reality. Absolutely. And it's nice. One of my favourite characters is Grace, the PA slash receptionist. Yeah. Um, I love that woman. She's getting high off Tipex. Brilliant. Because I don't know any kid who hasn't gone, ooh, this smells a bit weird. And then your teacher going, don't sniff it, you'll get high. But I love her. She's so funny. She's like the mo- the world's most wonderful idiot. Yeah. But then she knows all the cracks. Like she knows what's happening. She's obviously popular enough with the kids. So she knows who's going out with who, who's friends with who, what's happening. She's more aware of what's happening in school than... The principal is. Yeah. He has no idea. Um, her impression of him on the phone. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> She's really good. The other parts that I really, really liked about it were that Ferris Bueller's had been off school nine times this said this so year. Nine. Yeah, that's, yeah. Nobody's picked up on it. Like, what kind of school are they running? <laughs> like, that is true. I'm not being funny, but if I was off school once, um, back in high school and it was like unaccounted for they would have been on the phone to my parents going why wasn't Lauren in school today Mm. but he's got away with it for nine times like they would be failing yeah they would Ofsted would give them a bad rating (laughs) the American Ofsted the American Ofsted (laughs) would give them a bad rating the the UK Ofsted (laughs) spin-off love it stricter probably (laughs) well American I don't know I don't know yeah, so they don't, they don't just really waste their day. They've got the Stock Exchange, the Toss Building, Art Gallery, re- Restaurant, Baseball, and of course the iconic Parade with a nice sing-song. But what I take away from this film is that Ferris is doing it because he's scared of leaving high school. Yeah. Uh, Cameron, uh, who is his best friend, and his girlfriend and Ferris's girlfriend Sloane, who are played by Alan Rook and Mia Sarah, make a joke at one point when they're talking about next year. So Sloane is staying on at high school. She's got another year left. So she's getting ready to get her grades up to go to, Mm. go to college. Cameron is getting ready to go to college. And by the sounds of it, he's very clever. He's got a place to go. And they make a joke about... Or what do you think Ferris will be doing next year? And they say fry cook. Yeah. It is a case of like Ferris isn't very good at school, and I I get the impression that he's scared that his friends and his girlfriend are going to go off to college and have all these adventures and become experience way more than what he ever can. It's one of those things where it go it goes back to the people who love high school. Yeah. Who have bad lives, but. Ferris Bueller, you can see him. I, I, I've just thought about this now, actually. Fast forward 20 years, and do you know who that character is? Who? The Fonz. <laughs> he's the that guy older guy. Still, still turning up at high school parties. Yeah. Still thinking he's cool and the same age. When really, he's a bit creepy. That's it. Yeah. I, th- I think he yeah, is. Yeah, I can see that now when you've said that. It, it's sort of like, it's sort of, it's like a tragedy in a way. Because somebody who's so 
it's just because high school is his world. It is. And the idea so of a bigger world. He's so popular and like everybody rings him and sends him presents and flowers for, for his mystery illness that he mm. could die from. And he's like a little local celebrity. Yeah. But he's actually... He's a tiny, tiny fish in an ocean when he leaves high school. Mm. And I think he's really scared that he's going to be forgotten. Yeah. Like, he wanted Cameron to take out one of his dad's cars. Yeah. He's wanting to go off and go into Chicago and do all these crazy things. Because that way, Sloane and Cameron can then look back on that day and be like, Oh, do you remember that day, like 20 years ago, when we went out with Ferris and... We did this. We've never done anything as fun as that. We've never done anything the same as that since. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I think he's just so scared of being forgotten and not being this big man anymore. Absolutely. Um, do you want to hear what I think? Uh, yeah, go on then. Okay. So, for me, Ferris Bueller is... Well, he is literally Matthew Broderick. But it is... Broderick's charisma that is so damn infectious and that's what makes the film so great and when you've got a, th- a character who breaks the fourth wall yeah that is half of the battle and like well I mean John Hughes is the 80s as well oh god yeah definitely Um, I mean Breakfast Club Pretty in Pink you've got Ferris Bueller you've got She's Having a Baby you've got I mean, so, so, so many films. Weird Science. Weird Science. And Love that film. For a guy who was, what, 36 when he wrote Ferris Bueller's point nine fifty year 36, it's either witchcraft or slightly <laughs> creepy that he can tap into the, the idea, like the sort of the feelings of a teenager. I know, obviously, he was a teenager, but... He's got he was a, completely a teenager different... in a completely different time yeah, and era. Exactly, and the fact that he was so so well did so well in tapping into that zeitgeist really of what it was, and even though it's you have the popular kids, you have the nerds, you have the whatever, but everybody loves Ferris. Yeah, but it's also how those don't change throughout the times. Like no. you still get those stereotypes now. Yeah, we do, and because. They are the stereotypes when you're in secondary school, high school, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And you know, well, one thing, you know you're in a great film when everybody who is in the film is known for that film. Definitely, yeah. You've got, obviously, Matthew Broderick, Alan Rook, Mia Sarah, um, Jennifer Grey. Jennifer Grey, Jennifer Grey's got Dirty Dancing as well, but you know what I mean? But also Jeffrey Jones, who plays um, Ed Rooney. Yeah. Which is, I think he is, him and Alan Rook are the two sort of MVPs, if you will, of that mm-hmm. film. I think Cameron gets that sort of wide-eyed glance of what the hell's happening in Toomey and what's going on in the world down so well. Um, and Ed Rooney just has that sort of maniacal sort of baron. Who's, <laughs> baron. Yeah. But again, it, when we're looking at different... When you, when you watch these films when you're a teenager... You think Ferris is the bee's knees? Yes. But Ed Rooney is only trying to make sure that he gets a good education. Big in school. And this is the one thing I will say also. Could be question. Yeah. Is Ferris a good friend? No. And he's not. He's not a good friend. I don't even really think he's that good a boyfriend. That's true. And the thing is, with Cameron, who... Yes, Cameron gets to the end of the, of the film where he's like, okay, I need to confront my dad because... 
I'm not enjoying my life at the moment. I don't mm-hmm. like this relationship. So that is a good place to end up as. But the fact they had to get there by stealing a car and then trashing the car. Yeah, and being in a catatonic state for a, what must be a few hours. Yeah. It's he puts him through so much stress oh, for his yeah. own gain. Yeah. Like he's not thinking about Cameron. And it's the same when he's talking about Sloane. He doesn't once talk about her intellect or anything like that. He's like, oh yeah, she's really pretty. Yeah, she's cute. I'm going to take her out of school and we're going to... The thing is, they're like, she must... She They must have done this, like, loads. Yeah. Snuck out of school. Because as soon as that nurse comes in, she's putting her coat on and she's like, yeah, bye to her mate. <laughs> yeah. She's like, my boyfriend's not here today. The nurse has turned up. I'm off. Bye. And then she's like, oh, yeah, I'm really sad. She's got it down to a T. So he doesn't care about her education. And I'm not saying when you're that age, you are thinking, oh, I really want my boyfriend to get, like, all the highest grades and go on to the best university. But at the same time, you don't want him to end up, like, with nothing. Mm. You, You don't want him to do that just so that way you can have company and when you're throwing your life away. Yeah. And here's the one question again. Ed Rooney. Yeah. Maybe not the best headmaster, but when he watches one of his students make out with her father, why isn't that reporting that? Yeah, I know. He's like, oh, that's how it is in that family. Yeah, that family's full of incest. But we're just not going to say anything about it. It's like, yeah, just be a bit responsible and maybe send somebody their way. Yeah. The fact that he suspected it was her dad. Yeah. It was, it, no, suspected that it was Ferris. a Ferris to begin with. And then sees her making out with her dad. It's just, it's just creepy. It's it, really creepy. It really, really is creepy. Yeah, now that you've said that, I'm like, oh. <laughs> creepy old man. Yeah, everyone's like, okay, that's how it's like in their family. But as he, as he came across this before, has he seen even more of his, his pupils making out oh, oh, I don't even want to think about it to be honest makes you think what's happening in that John Hughes world because they're all set in like the same sort of world the, well they're all set in that same town which is a fictional town is it Shermer Shermer Illinois Shermer yeah. Illinois yeah so yeah what that, that might be just it might be just how they are in Shermer Illinois maybe maybe <laughs> anything else you want to talk about um, I have my fun facts. Okay. Well, can I just go do something before, actually? Yeah. The irony of this film yeah. is that Charlie Sheen gives life lessons that's positive. <laughs> he is the voice of reason of how to live your life in the best way. I just find that quite hilarious. Well, it's not exactly, you know, seeing into the future. <laughs> Maybe he did this film, gave the life lessons, and then went... Nah, I don't want to be that guy for the rest of my life. I want to go in the opposite direction. I want to give bad life lessons and see which idiot listens to me then. Um, speaking of Charlie Sheen, though, for this role, he looks rough as. Yeah. He didn't do all the drugs. He just stayed awake for two days. So that way he looked like he did all the drugs. I, I love those. I mean, again, method. It's like, okay... They have makeup to make you look tired. Yeah. You don't really need to do it anymore. No, not really. <laughs> like, if you asked me to stay awake for two days, I guarantee you I'd be asleep in ten minutes after you asked me. <laughs> it could be middle of the day, but like, Laura, I need to stay awake for two days. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Asleep. It's like that uh, Michael Fassbender story. He was just saying how um, he was a dead body on a gurney and he fell asleep <laughs> and woke up in the scene. <laughs> 
that would be me. That would be you. Actually, no, I, I wouldn't wake up within the scene. I'd just be <laughs> like, they'd have to prompt me back, Lauren, we've finished filming, wake up. It's your line. Home. It's your line. What? <laughs> I must have gotten the line. <laughs> um, Ferris's parents yeah. were played by a couple of actors called Cindy Paquette and Lyman Ward. They never met before they came onto this set and they ended up married and now they have two children. So really? they are real life parents together, really cool. which I thought was very nice. Um, Jennifer Grey, who is in the film as Jeannie, who is um, Ferris's sister, um, is in the parade during Twist and Shout. And they put her in like a big bouffant wig and she's playing somebody trying to get autographs. Um, but she's just said that she wanted to be in that, that scene, that scene because it just like so much fun. But they couldn't just have Jeannie just like popping up. <laughs> so they disguised her. And my final fun fact is that there were three replica Ferraris for the film. And they were made um, using real Ferrari emblems to make them look as good as possible. Uh, but the makers of these replicas didn't have the permission from Ferrari to be able to use these emblems. So Ferrari actually sued them. Right. for making these cars and they ended up out of business because really? Ferrari like sued them I mean that much? to be honest how naive do you have to be I don't know like I don't I'm just gonna go and go around and stick I don't know for some reason Lacoste came into my head <laughs> Lacoste <laughs> I don't know I don't have anything that is Lacoste but around stick like Nike yeah like emblems well, on everything and then and then use it in like a film yeah let's make these fake ferraris and not expect to get sued yeah but yeah they got sued so sadly they uh they had to close shop after making ferris bueller there we are which was a shame because they made very very good fake cars well replica cars not fakes because they did drive they did drive they just weren't ferraris they just weren't ferraris (laughs) so there we have it Episode yeah. two. Episode two. Finally recorded. Yeah, so Yay. that was 80s teen. Now, we'll have to have a think about what we're going to do next. Yes, um, we'll do the next we'll, one. We'll get the next one out and we'll get the next one recorded. So, yeah, the, the only things really is if you want to give us an email, hfhmpodcast at gmail.com. Yes. If you want to follow us on Instagram. It's hfhm underscore podcast yeah. on instagram and i've also checked if you just search his film her movie we come up under that as well brilliant just in case lovely and yeah we are on spotify we're on apple we're on yeah we're on itunes we're on stitcher cool um so wherever you get your pods you can find us well you found us already you listened to us <laughs> to be honest yeah but also um finish on this if you could be so kind to leave us iTunes reviews, five stars preferably, especially in these sort of early episodes. It helps us get the show really, out. Really, really appreciate um, it. Awesome. Hopefully, we'll be able to get a few more um, listeners. I was going to say viewers then, but nobody's watching us. We hope. We well, to be honest, <laughs> we're in front of a window. You never know. We do live in a strange place. <laughs> oh, and um, for the if you want to write. Um, in the review section let us know what your favourite films are yeah Um, we do have a list and I think it's up to 63 different topics at the moment Um, but we haven't got films for every single one of those topics it's always good 
to have maybe a backup film. Sometimes I know when I've been going through the list, I've wanted to use a film for a few different ones. And it's really easy to forget some of the films that you do love, especially when you watch as many as we do. Yeah. Um, and I love discovering new films. Though, please send me ones that just don't have creepy men in, as this seems to be a, a running theme at the moment. <laughs> well, I think that's a fine place to finish. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, we will be back next week with another, another episode. Yes, we will. So that is episode two of... The Hits Film Her Movie Podcast. Bye. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.